we got a beautiful show. We got some beautiful hosts. We got a beautiful game. We got taste. We got some beautiful chats. We got some beautiful stats. And we won't stop talking. We won't give it a rest. And as a matter of fact, it's time to get it off our chests. Cricket, 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 cricket. Hello, hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of County Cricket Natters Does the Ashes. Yes, it's the immediate aftermath of England's 43-run defeat to Australia at Lords. It puts them 2-0 down in the series. It is very much an uphill task from here. But for a good chunk of this afternoon, we thought Ben Stokes' heroics might just get England the victory. It felt like it was going to be headingly all over again, but the Aussies knew just that one wicket would tip it back into their favour. I'm joined by a pair of former England internationals, Vic Marks and Paul Nixon. I'm not going to talk too much. I'm going to ask them to talk us through all the action. I mean, Vic, I'll come to you first. Like, we'll go back to day one eventually, but like immediate instant reaction from what we've just seen. Well, I'm exhausted. I mean, I, we should tell our listener the the match ended about five minutes ago. So we're right on the button. And I mean, it's compelling. Stokes is unbelievable. Um, it was a great game. I do think, although we won't talk about this to start with, there are some significant warning signals about how Test Cricket might go, if we're not careful, to be talked about. But at the moment, we're just still gasping. <clears throat> Now, the possibility that Stokes created yet again, he is the most... I don't think there's anyone like him. I, can't, I mean, I think of Both, but I'm not sure Both has ever played anything like that. The only person I can possibly think of who's managed, although he didn't quite manage it this time, was maybe Brian Lara had a phase where he sort of single-handedly won a couple games for the West Indies against Australia. But that was uh, a staggering, or potentially a staggering climax to a weird game. Uh, and I've just about recovered, but Nico's much fitter than me. But he, <laughs> he will be more clinical, I'm sure. Yeah, Nico, I've very much doubt that, Vic. Yeah, well, you're fitter. <laughs> I know about that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, probably just. Yeah, Nico, 155 for Ben Stokes of 214 balls, but that doesn't really tell the full story. We'll talk about the reason he kind of went into overdrive in a minute, but. I, what strikes me with him is the clarity of thought he's had. And we've seen it in a few situations previously. Headingly, I mentioned World Cup final. It's that ability to like zone in on one task. And he was just scoring almost from one end. There was only ever really going to be one way to score. He probably wasn't fit enough to run the twos. And that mental fortitude in that situation, I've never seen before. Yeah, his willpower, his strength of mind is absolutely off the chart, isn't it? He's... His true belief to win that game is second to none. Even walking off, I don't think he acknowledged the crowd. He was so gutted and, and you know, it, it ripped his heart out to think that he hadn't done it. Um, and that's the nature and the willpower of the man to, to go through that. You know, he bowled magnificently that last session that England were bowling. He bowled about, I think, nine or ten on the bounce. Aggressive. When your feet are sore, you've put a lot in. He hasn't, you know, he won't have stopped thinking. The mental 
um, the mental impact on him, on him day in, day out, hour in, hour out of a captain and an all-rounder is so demanding. Um, for him to work with Brody and keep Brody going, you know, that was really important because Brody, you know, he's lost a lot of confidence the last few years with his batting. And when you first go out and you've got six foot five, six foot six quick bowlers, you know, going after your throat, every ball, um, you have to be brave. And, and Brody hasn't been renowned for his bravery in the past, but today he showed it. He took several on the body. Stokes, he was helping him, talking him through it um, to keep him going. So outstanding, absolutely outstanding from from, from those guys today. Mm. And, and Stokes is amazing in this sense, in that, I mean, he actually batted brilliantly throughout the match and he batted in quite an old-fashioned mm. way until Bairstow gets out. The situation changes. He's in. He's seen the ball well, but he's been content to wait and bide his time because he's got a batsman at the other end. And then the, the ability just to switch methods and judge the length. Which ones can he clear the three or four boundary fielders on the leg side and which ones are a bit too high to do it or whatever. And you can tell that he is absolutely in his element. He's so calm. He loves that situation. Of course, it's gold dust to have a batsman or a cricketer who, when it gets tight, just loves it and is totally relaxed. Um, it is amazing because we've criticised, I'm sure, Stokes a bit recently for being sort of gung-ho, ridiculously aggressive, playing some slapdash shots. But when push comes to shove, his mind is clear as anything, uh, as at Eddie Lee two years ago, as throughout this entire game. He batted really well, I thought, in the first innings when he got 17. And we seem to be throwing wickets away like confetti. And he just, he played the situation brilliantly because he knew the Ashes were, you know, that we're, they're still at stake. Or they were at stake and we're struggling now. But So he's a, he's an incredible cricketer uh, with an incredible mind. I mean, he, and the way he switches from one to the other is astonishing. But he gave himself a chance, Vic, didn't he? He gave himself a chance by getting yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a bit like a white ball innings. Um, but what was really... What, what resonates with me, what you just said there about you know his clarity of thought. What he did was he knew that their their bouncer was their you know their their big ball, their wicket taking ball. But you know he's such a good puller of the ball anyway. Um, mm. But when it's that extra bounce from the tall seamers, that's when it gets tougher as a as a batter at that pace. And what he did technically was he opened his hips up, he opened his stance up to look for that ball first than anything else he adjusted to. So that was a bit like Warner in the first innings to me, where the Aussies won this game, I believe, um, to get that many in the first innings, to get 416 on that pitch, I think was 100 too many. It really was, uh, if not more than 100 too many. The way Warner batted two feet, three feet out of his crease in the first innings to, ne mm -hmm. you know, to negate um, being bold, to negate um, being LBW was fantastic. And that's that's been ultra-professional. And that's exactly what Stokes did. He knew that the short ball was the one. And he knew the right side of the field to to, to take. Down the hill, shorter boundary. It travels further down that hill. Um, good on him. Yeah, it was quite wonderful. Now, Nick, I'm going to stick with you. Because Vic, very innocently, he put a, threw a little phrase into his last uh, dialogue, which was when Bairstow was out. Now, I'm looking at the scorecard. And it says bold, green, stumped, carry. And 
everyone who's listening to this podcast will know what has happened, I was imagine. So I'm not going to explain it uh, in like blow by blow. And we must say that within the laws of the game, it was out. But I would love, as a wicketkeeper, a former wicketkeeper yourself, mm. your thoughts on that dismissal. Well, I didn't see it live. I was taking my daughter to go and do her, uh, um, a, a D of E uh, trip up in Scotland. So we just got back. I'd had to go to the garden centre. I got dragged around the garden centre with the missus as well. So that was uh, that was a tough one when the test match was going on, but all good. Um, what a saint you are. What a saint. What a saint. So I got me the good books. And um, I came back and I watched it. Uh, pal of mine had, um, had, had messaged me and I watched it again. And... As a keeper, if somebody bats out their crease and they're consistently batting outside their crease and they let the ball go and they and they are out of their crease, then you're after them. But when somebody's batting deep in their crease, which he was for the short ball, um, the ball's gone through at the keeper. What Johnny did, and not many people might have seen this, he just hesitated and put his foot back in there for a second. And that's like a little nod of respect to the keeper to say, I'm not running. My foot's in. I'm making a little play that my foot's in. Okay, that's me done. I'm not running. That's like a little mark of respect to the keeper to say, I understand. I'm not running. You can see me in. Okay, move on. Now, that takes half a second or a second. And when you're a keeper, that's the first thing you look for. You look at, is he trying to run? Is he trying to be a little bit smart and a little bit, you know, a little bit smart and, and, and push his boundaries. But I genuinely, genuinely don't think Johnny was. Johnny, it was the end of the over. He was just walking up casually to the other end. Now, that little, that little, um, what I haven't seen is the whole timing of the ball going through to Carey and him getting rid of it. Um, I'd love to see the timing because if that timing was almost the perfect storm where Kerry just got it and threw it as fast as he could straight away, then that's an interesting one. But then they've got the ability to say, do you know what? He wasn't running. He put his foot back in. Have a look at the replay. He put his foot back in and then you could call him back or then you could say, listen, there was no attempt at a run there. And he wasn't being, he wasn't being um, a bit dizzy as some of the commentators alluded to because he definitely put his foot back in to say, Respect to you guys. I'm not running. There's my little tap, and we move on. And that's almost a, a, an unwritten law that people do, that people have always done in cricket to respect the keeper and that run-out situation. Yeah, I thought Carey actually threw the ball. He didn't delay much, I don't think, but he when he threw the ball, Johnny was in his crease, actually. But yeah. he arrived. He'd gone. Now, I don't have a huge issue with Carey because keepers throw the ball at the stumps, you know, when they're standing back sometimes, just to keep the batsman honest. I thought, I mean, in a way, I think there is an element of carelessness with Johnny. But I also thought the umpires could have done a better job. Preposterously, they went to the third umpire, which was just an abnegation of responsibility because everyone could see by the time the bails were removed, Bairstow was a yard or so out of his crease. So why did you go to the third umpire? They went to the third umpire because they didn't want to bear responsibility. Yes. Uh, now, what I think, so I don't think it would have made much difference, but there were two things that I thought that on-field umpire should have established. A, had the umpire, Ashan, I think, Bassan, had he called over? The answer, probably not. 
but you want to check that out. Mm. And then I think there was an opportunity for the on-field umpires, rather than poor old Marais Erasmus up in the box there, to say to the Australian captain, do you want that appeal to stand? Probably he would have said yes, but you can still put him under that little bit of pressure. Do you want that appeal to stand? I thought Erasmus up in the, you know, up in the pavilion or wherever he is, had no option but to give it out. How could he mm. do it? If anyone could have changed the course of events as far as the umpires, it were the two umpires on the field. I do think, I mean, I, I thought, I mean, I felt sorry. I mean, I, my, my gut went, but I thought technically he had to give it out. Erasmus didn't have a choice. Uh, whether mm. it's, again, I had a bad feeling about it, but I think Johnny will, you know, there's been a few precedents, odd precedents. Someone mentioned Ian Bell a few years ago, run out at Trent Bridge, given out tea time conflab with the MS Dhoni, I think, and they actually yes. came back. And someone said there was an Ollie Pope instance, but I can't remember that, uh, but Sam will know it. So, I mean, I think Johnny was, I mean, he'll, he won't do it again. I enjoyed Stuart Broad going when he came back. <laughs> exaggerating. I'm back in. <laughs> yeah. It was steaming, and I think it motivated Broad partly to play what I, I agree was a very courageous innings while Stokes was there. But I, I couldn't quibble with the actual decision. Uh, you can quibble with Cummins sticking with it, but I don't think there was any, it looked like there was no contemplation amongst the Aussies about uh, changing that. I so, agree, Vic. Yeah. I agree. I, I think what could have happened there is the captain, sorry, the, the umpires, should have gone to the skipper they, and said, listen, that. listen, do you, you know, what are your thoughts here? He wasn't trying to run. He's not trying to, he's not trying advantage. to push the game. He's not trying to gain advantage. Absolutely. It was the over. I suppose, you know. Yeah. He's gone to see his mate. He's gone to see his mate. They did show on Sky, actually. They showed on Sky how Johnny had been, you know, as soon as the ball had been finished throughout the previous deliveries going down the pitch and he might have even been gone down the middle to tap the middle of the wicket. I don't know, but you know, going down the pitch, mm. but it was an ugly moment. Um, and actually, I mean, it's amazing how equably actually the players of both sides have kind of got on with it thereafter. I mean, Stuart had a few words, which is fair enough when he went out there, but there were handshakes at the end and, you know, not much, Animosity, we might hear a bit more about it. We're, you know, the game is only 15 minutes old. But it, you know, you can't you can't rest when you're watching these ashes matches at the moment. You can't mm. even go to the, you know, take your kids out and your family and you, you miss something. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, Brody's comment, wasn't it? It was uh it was amazing to carry. That's all you're ever going to remember for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean but in a way, I don't think it's that's classic Brody that yeah, that reminds yeah. me of, of our of our mutual friend Aggers. Oh, that's yeah. something. That's something that Aggers would have had a little chirp on in the out yeah. in the middle because Aggers was very funny. I remember batting with Aggers um, <laughs> against uh, Jeff Lawson and the Aussies came over late eighties, and uh, he got a, a load of abuse from um, as he was nicking the ball over slip, and he ended up getting thirty, I think, or thirty odd. And he said, uh, "Is that Shakespeare, Mister Lawson?" He shouted <laughs> out to Jeff Lawson. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, no, he, he, I think it did fire Broad. You're right, and it, and it gave him a lot of confidence to get stuck in. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. he's gained a lot of respect from that from uh, yeah, yeah. from the from the supporters. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was the perfect situation for Broad. That's the kind of theatre he thrives mm. on, it seems. Uh, but like you say, Vic, you know, Alex Carey, difficult to blame him. Likewise, I think it was last night, Mitchell Stark was having a go at Ben Duckett when he'd come back. And Ben Duckett just said to him, well, it's nothing to do with me, mate. I'd almost stepped off the pitch. Like, Well, that's an interesting one. I actually thought, I don't know what Nico thinks, but I thought the umpires got it right then. I know Glenn McGrath thought it was... Disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> But um, what, do you want me to go on that one? I mean, it's, yeah, go on, yeah, go for it. He obviously caught it cleanly, but he's been around Mitchell Stark. So if he if he felt that he had complete control of that ball, having caught it quite brilliantly, why would he risk putting it on the ground as he had completed his dive? So I don't think he was in control, and I thought that was an okay decision, that, a diff, another difficult one. It looked at, you know, live, you thought he's caught that, but then you saw the aftermath. And if, well, you know, if he had, if he was in control, he needn't have scraped that ball along the turf with it in his hand, with his knuckle up. But I don't know what Nico thought about that one. I, I actually disagree. I actually, I agree with, I agree with, um, with the big fella, the big Aussie, uh, Glenn McGrath, I believe he caught it. He's got hands like buckets. They're absolutely enormous. And I think he caught it and he's just gone down to try and stop himself sliding even more than he was sliding. Um, well, I think he was he, wet and he was he sliding. Is he in control? I'm, I'm asking. And I, and I think he just tried to stop himself sliding. <clears throat> and he ha- But he has. You just don't do that. It's something that you don't do. When yeah. you catch that ball... That is the last thing you do, and especially with cameras around, you just don't yeah. do it. End of story. You don't. I suppose do it. If do that I think he been, caught it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, he obviously caught it initially. I grant mm. you that. I grant yeah. you that. If that had been at Grace Road in a championship match or something with no cameras, I mean, duck it. To be fair to him, yeah, had walked off the pitch practically. He was, yeah, sort of, yeah. Accept that. Anyway, yeah. I, I think a lot more that happened beside that. Far more important. Uh, we, yeah. And we'll go back to that. But for me on that one, um, like the law is that you have to control the ball and the fielder has to have control of their movement as well. And I thought actually Maria Erasmus did a very brief Sky interview this morning, which I thought hit it dead on the head. He said, if Mitchell Stark slides over the boundary there, we're looking at, is it four or six, um, depending on if the ball's hit the ground. And and it's so why is it any different when the ball is still in play? Like until he's in control of that movement, that slide, the fact is it wasn't a voluntary slide. Like he had to do it because he wasn't mm. in control. Um, so if, I, I thought they got that one right uh, within the laws of the game. And uh, I, I can see why Glenn McGraw was pissed off with it. Um, but I don't really think he has much cause to complain. And he probably isn't complaining now because... Australia have won, they're 2-0 up. And let's go back, because there was so much other stuff, like talking about two controversial incidents. Uh, and by the way, we're so hot off the press, although we're not written, that we haven't even had the post-match interviews. But Ben Stokes has just said, I think if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd have, I'd have had to have a deep think about the spirit of the game. Would I want to win the game in that manner? For me, the answer is no. Um, so there's a few interviews going on. I can't hear them. They're all smiles. We'll we'll have a look at that a bit later on. But Vic, you mentioned at the top of the show, a couple of warning signs. Let's talk about well, some of those. I, I mean, there was some great cricket along the way, I think. But I would be worried. It was compelling all the way through. But if Test cricket is going to comprise of hour after hour after hour of bouncers, 
with the fields we've seen hereafter, I think it's bad news because I think it'll turn people off. It'll finish Jimmy Anderson's career, probably might have done already, actually, because he can't run up and bowl bounces all day. Mm. So if if Test cricket, it was compelling in this match because it was the ashes in the game we went here, there and everywhere. But if that's what Test cricket becomes, it will diminish. Remember, this regime is determined to resuscitate Test cricket and make it more entertaining. But if it's like that for hour after hour, with short pitch bowling, five men on the boundary, constant bounces, I think ultimately it would turn people off. And the reason... Well, I don't know how you stop it exactly. One is, but I've got a few thoughts very quickly. If you have spicier pitches, I mean, the pit, this was another pretty, I mean, Edgbaston was a poor mm. group, if we're honest, uh, but they got a great game out of it. This, you know, was pretty benign after you got through the first day or two. It, it kind of got slower and easier to bat on, it seems. Um, so, hence, they turned to the bouncers. I think the umpires have got to be on red alert now to wide every single delivery that goes overhead high or, you know, sails over their heads as a bit of a deterrent. And if those things don't work, and this would be a, a you know a poor sort of last resort, I think you might have to introduce field restrictions like you have in one-day cricket to prevent having four men on the lakeside boundary uh, almost holding hands uh, you might have to introduce a ring. You don't want it to happen. But if you, you cannot have the prospect of Test cricket constantly being played like that, it takes it takes Jimmy Anderson right out of the game, for example. Um, and it makes it uh, it would make it ultimately a dull uh, um, and unappetizing sort of prospect. That's my thought. I don't know what Nico thinks, but and that's some brilliant brilliant points. Vic really are. Um... I think England bowled so poorly. I oh. thought Brody was uh, sorry. I think Brody was a little bit unlucky with the new ball. Um, yeah. But I felt, I, yeah, I felt it was unlucky. He played and missed. They played and missed a yeah. lot. Um, but for Warner to have eighty-eight balls, Kawaja seventy balls, Labuschagne ninety-three balls, Smith one hundred and eighty, Head seventy-three balls. They all faced in that first innings. It was nipping around everywhere. And we let we, we let them all get in. We didn't make them play. We didn't bring them forward enough. They didn't hit the ball down the ground enough. There was swing and lateral movement. And you only go to the bouncers when you're not in a good place, when the opposition are dominating you. Uh, I felt we over-attacked with too many slips at times. And I felt that we could, we should have bowled straighter with straighter fields um, and trusted there's going to be there's somebody's name was going to be on one, um, and you know, England. It's been England's downfall. The bouncers because we're just flapping at everything, and we, and there's no need to. There's a time to see an over out. There's a time as a number. Um, you know, like Robinson came in at the end there and just had a massive flap at a high one after when he's just getting in. If yeah. you don't have a go at it, get yourself in. Have 15, 20 balls. Feel the pitch. Feel each baller. And then you get a you get a feel for somebody. You, well, you know? I, I agree with that. I thought I mean Stokes showed how to play it. Actually, I know. Yeah, that. but Stokes showed in the first innings and indeed in the second innings how you could play yep. it. I mean, I was spitting nails at Joe Root's dismissal in the first 188 for one, lying off the field. Yeah, seamers left. Even if it took you an hour to deal with the bouncers. 
and you only got 20 runs, it wouldn't have mattered. It would have used up all that. Having said that, I, I sort of mellowed slightly when I recognised. I mean, we didn't get that happen to us in our era, but hardly at all. When I saw the Australians clap, collapse against it, playing in a different, more defensive way, I began to recognise, hang on, whichever option you take, it is damn difficult. It's damn difficult. You can't... Risk-reward is, is so hard to assess. If you can't just duck everything and get out of the way, you've got nowhere to go. You can only get a single if you play the pool shot. Um, so I sort of... I didn't really want to give him any more. I thought Root and Pope, especially, and Brooke, really, they gave wickets away in a way that shouldn't happen. But then I saw the Aussies trying to defend and get out quite frequently. I thought mm. it's a bit more difficult than I reckoned. Well, I think it's an interesting one. It's a good point because... If you look now, I mean, if I look back in the late 80s when I started, everybody had the majority of county cricket had two West Indian overseas professionals, plus they had all England bowlers and England quicks who were playing county cricket yeah. day in, day out until there was an England game. So if I look back at Leicestershire, we had Winston Benjamin, George Ferris, two world class overseas professional bowlers. We had Chris Lewis, John Agnew. Les Taylor, Philip Defratus. So they're all plus all quicks. Quick. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. All, 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 all high 80s, odd one early 90s. And you played that in the nets on green pitches uh, with, with the old coach Kenig telling you to get in line and get stuck in. And you played it a lot. Nowadays, with, with the way the world is, central contracts, the quick bowlers, there's no quick bowlers around in county cricket anymore or globally because of central contracts. Uh, they come together to play these games in the nets. Do they really want to bounce the top order batters and break their fingers and they're out for a test match? No. So I think the amount of times that guys are facing short pitch regular bowling now is probably as low as it's ever been. Pitches yeah. are a drier and, uh, and, and, and easy pace as they've ever been. And um, I think it's, I think people just, they're not facing it consistently. So your methods of being successful against it are going to diminish. I mean, in a way, it was amazing that England was so successful <clears throat> with that short pitch attack because you've got Ollie Robinson, who's a very gifted bowler. Yeah. Actually, he did the short stuff, albeit he could only bowl at maximum 80 miles an hour, but his, mm. his control was good. Yeah. That short stuff, but it's not what you want him to do. Stuart Broad is, I mean, having to strain like fury to do it at the age mm. of 36. And it's a non-starter for Jimmy. And it could do Josh Tung no good in the ultimately that he's going to end up just, I mean, he bowled some fantastic deliveries in that first innings. Yeah, yeah, he did. Left-handers. But he, mm. you can lose all that if this pattern continues and all he's been asked to do is run in and pummel it in at, you know, at someone's shoulder inside whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I but I, I'm seriously worried that I reckon if this became a pattern, a bit like I mean, after Bodyline, actually, mm. going back to Bodyline, they yeah. changed they changed the rules so a bit, tinker mm. with it, try and stop it by saying you could only have two men behind square on the leg side. Well, this is not so vicious at Bodyline because people aren't <laughs> slagging one another off, mm. but I think you. Ultimately, if it persists, you would have to find a way to legislate for people not to resort to this once they get on a flat pitch with nothing happening. Mm. Or guys could leave it, you know. Yeah, they could got, got, you know, you're allowed to leave it. You know, you're allowed to yeah, just yeah. crack on. Um, 
and that's and that's five day cricket. But I think where Robinson's been lucky is that uh, you know Robinson has a steep bounce. He's such a yeah. tall lad; he gets steep bounce. Um, broad is tall, tongue's yeah. pretty tall, and that's where yeah. Jimmy's not the tallest and he's more skiddy. Yes, he probably hasn't got the pace to do that as well now, but it's the height and the steepness of the bounce. And when that yeah. is a little bit of unevenness, that's when it becomes because when they get it right and they time it right and the action's strong and it comes out properly then it can knock your head off. But otherwise, it isn't. And that's when it's, do I play, do I not going to play? And that's when you get dragged into play and that's something you, you don't want to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The height is, I mean, the Aussie bowlers are just as tall, but about five mile an hour quicker. Well, it was strange, wasn't it? it, it the way England lost their wickets, it was this kind of swashbuckling approach that just seemed a bit senseless. And, and people are starting to question whether, you know, when you're given so much responsibility, like the England players have been, that comes with that you you actually have to take that on and it isn't glorified slogging and I think that's one of the reasons Baz himself doesn't like Baz ball so much because that's kind of the perception of it and actually he and Stokes there was a period where they were both sat on the balcony together like looking pretty miffed at things and I think for them they do want they don't want to see brainless cricket at all and it just well, at times yeah. it felt like that the hardest to bear was was Joe Root who's one of the greatest players I've ever seen you know, he will go down as one of the great players of the post-war era. To see him get out, like, it, I mean, what's he thinking? He's, he's caught behind off a no ball. And he's, you know, he can play about long innings. He, he only had, a, you know, 45 minutes of self-denial. And uh, they would have behaved, you know, they would have resorted, gone back to normal, I suppose. That was the hardest one to take because you know how good Joe is. Um, and, uh, you know, and Ollie Pope too, I thought, well, you know premeditated boom anyway but i mean it's what gets that's why the ashes is so good because we all get so exasperated about it what are they doing why are they doing this uh because we all care it's why you know glenn mcgrath mm. down saying that's a disgrace because it's in our gut and we we kind of love it um and we we get dragged into it it means so much doesn't it it yeah, means yeah. so much to us all. yeah yeah both sides it means so much i mean nathan lyon what he did yeah. to come out and he knew he was going to face a barrage and he doesn't like it. He's a tail ender. No tail ender does. To, 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 it must have taken 10 minutes to get down all them stairs. <laughs> then to well, go no, out. He was waiting. He was waiting. Yeah. He did. He Amazing. came down the stairs before when nine wickets yeah. were done. He knew he'd probably be timed out actually. Actually, <laughs> deployed a time one out. That was the yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it, it was just such a shame for him. I, I've mentioned it before. I interviewed him before the series started, and you just hear in the stuff he said how much he loved playing for Australia. <clears throat> you know, he leads the team song when they finish. He's played a hundred state test matches, the first bowler to do that, 122 from 126. And it, it's typical, isn't it, of, of sport when all the narratives are oh, Nathan Lani never gets injured, and then he's he said he heard his calf go. Um but Nico, he's just been mm. such a brilliant performer for them over the years. Absolute class act. Um, everybody I speak to, I don't really know Nathan myself personally, but everybody I speak to um, thinks the world of him. I know Jack Birkinshaw at Leicestershire. Um, Jack's, I think, been hosting his parents. They, 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 you he know, loves they know. Jack. <laughs> Birkie loves him. Uh, Birkie loves him. And um, yeah, he's been hosting his parents, uh, Nathan Lyon's parents. And um, everybody we speak to about him just says he's such a great bloke. Absolute champion. And, um, you know, you can see that the way he plays the game. 
his loop, Vic will know more than I do, his loop and his shape on the ball, his, 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 the revs he puts on the ball, how clever he is, his consistency. Um, just, you know, he, he's the off-spinner Shane Warne. He really is. Um, he's got everything. And, uh, you know, to do what he's done and play in Australia on some of those flat pitches and hold the game and hold the, for the guys at the other end is world-class also. Um, and, and as soon as he's got any help and support in the wicket, then he becomes lethal. I think it's remarkable, isn't it? He was months away from giving up cricket. Like he could easily have been lost to the game completely. Like where is he in the kind of pantheon of off spinners? Well, he's right up there. I mean, he's he <clears throat> he's remarkable in that there is nothing mysterious about um, Nathan Lyon. You know, do throw or anything clever like that. He's got quicker and quicker, as most finger spinners have. He bowls a heavy ball, though. Um, he must be a bit surprised he got so many stumpings, actually, <laughs> in this series so far. But um, So he hasn't got any of the mystery of some of the great spinners, you know, the Warns or the, the, I don't know, Mushtaq Armids. He, but he is he has so many virtues. As he, he spins the ball. He's accurate. He's at you all the time. He never, he never wilts. He bowled beautifully round the wicket. Nothing extraordinary. You know what's coming, really. Mm. But he does it so well. His uh, basics are world-class, aren't they? His yeah, basics. Yeah. I mean, you see, you know, Ashwin's Ashwin's world-class, but he's got a little bit of variety. He's also got... He's got... He's got, he's got height. Yeah. He's got a cannonball, but he's got height. And yeah. off-spinners need bounce on the ball to be to be dangerous. And you know Nathan Lyon, what's Nathan? Six foot, six Max, one at best. Maximum, maximum. maximum. I thought six foot tall, um, but he's up and down, like you say, Vic, to keep the pace on the ball and to get that drop and to have that shape. Your action has to be magnificent, and his lengths are so consistent. When he goes round the wicket, he very rarely gets milked on the leg side because when you're going round the wicket, you're trying to get the batsman's um, caught keeper caught caught first slip. Um, spun through the gear, LBW, but you watch, he hardly gets milked through the leg side because his line and length, he pitches fourth stump, three and a half fourth stump, and he makes the batsman play through the offside. He makes them defend straight. He hardly ever just gets clipped behind square leg for one, one, where where he comes too straight. His basics are phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, from ball one, bang, straight on the money. And that's why it's so good because... I think what he does well against a new batsman is he starts so well. And I think that's what Australia did in this game. I actually think the Australian bowlers this game have started so well against um, our our batsmen, um, especially in the second innings. I thought they started so well against against our batsmen all the time, straight on the money, put them under pressure. It was it was great to watch. Which is what we did not do in that first inning. I mean, Steve Smith... Yeah. He likes a quick start, but he suddenly had 25 or 15 and he's in clover and he just rained. I'm not going to get out now. And he just plays. Yeah. You're yeah. right. For a spinner, for any bowler, a new batsman, you really got to be right on it. Yeah. It's your opportunity. And if you if you waste that, it, you know, you can lose the game. And I think that happened to England in their first day. It took them a long time to get that wicket. And then the new batsman came in and suddenly they had 20 without blinking. Yeah. Yeah. We. It was almost like Warner... You had two opposites, Kawaja hanging right back, a bit a bit old school, not going forward, letting the ball come under his nose, watch the swing. Um, and then you had Warner saying, right, I'm coming at you. 
and we 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 went off it. We went off it. I think we should have kept bringing him forward, make him hit good shots on the up through covers. Don't mind that because he can nick off one of those. But yeah. then we sort of went away from it. We we got dragged into balling too short, and he could leave it a little bit too wide. We ju- we didn't ball well to those guys. I mean, on that pitch, it was doing everything up front, and we really let them off the hook there for us for our quality. Um, yeah, that that was frustrating to watch. Um, Australia, Australia by T on the first day were in such a commanding position on that pitch. Yeah, it's a real shame. Before we have a quick look moving forward, Vic, I just wanted to ask because there were some positives from that England performance. Uh, and Ben Duckett at the top of the order, ninety-eight in the first innings, eighty-three in the second. There, but he made me laugh. I think he was more disappointed uh, having left a couple of balls than he was missing out on two runs in that. First knock, like he's an aggressive player at the top of the order. There's been people for the last couple of years saying, actually, he's really matured as a person, as a player, and he's kind of found his spot there. Well, he's certainly got his spot. Um, and he's gonna, you know, he, all things being equal, he's gonna play for a long time and he, he's clear in what he's gonna do. He's gonna play aggressively, he's not gonna leave many balls. I mean, what was impressive when that he faced a lot of the short stuff until the end. Is that he like Stokes for a lot of the time judged the world play if it's on his hip or you know not too high, he could punch those away beautifully. And most of the time, reason why he got runs is that he managed to get out of the way or or not take on the one that was more head high, ear high. Um, and he's got so uh, yeah, he's a big plus. He's got uh, about 170 runs in the match, so you can't you know quibble too much with him and he looks like he's going to be there for a long time and I like the fact that we know he's going to be he's going to play a lot outside the off stump that a lot of openers would leave but he's clearing what he he sets out to do um and and that seems to be working so that's that's a plus Josh Tung was a plus Ben Stokes's batting I think was a plus <laughs> well he's needed that Stokes hasn't he Mm. He's, need, he's needed that Stokesy. He's well, he has. He hasn't, he hasn't got many of late. He's been a bit dry for his quality and his standards, and, and that just know, shows the man, doesn't it? It just shows the man when we really need it. I mean, he gets in England's best side if he can't bowl. I mean, it causes problems to the balance, but mm. he gets in the side as a batsman. Clearly, um, it is his knee is obviously an issue. It's painful to watch him actually out in the field sometimes, isn't it? And mm. you wonder yeah. what damage he's doing to himself, and you wonder how long he can go on like this. But you think he can go on to the end of this Ashes series? Probably he will do, come what may. Um, so, I mean, temp- but I think it was important he made a significant contribution and also demonstrated that, as you said, that you know it's not all about absolute gung ho, go for everything. He showed before yeah. the dismissal of Bairstow that there is still a place for, if you like, you know, focused batting against a high-quality attack and and picking and choosing where you want to attack and when. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to, to, to Ben Duckett, you know, he broke all the records at Stowe School playing there. He was, you know, a prestigious run scorer. He only really had a quiet... I think he's had one or two quiet years that not over many years now. Mm-hmm. And he's always been the batsman at Nottinghamshire that you want to get out first. Uh, it really is. And, um, yeah. I, I, you know... Short in stature, dominates the short ball, has good options, um, can can absolutely take spin apart. So delighted that he's made a name for himself now. And um, I think he'd be more disappointed that Labashir's throw to the non-striker and stumps hit the stumps and didn't go for 
another two <laughs> to four runs. Um, yeah. And uh, it was, that was his destiny. But um, I think, you know, huge positive, uh, huge positive. And, and Tung, again, to take wickets and to keep coming in hard, um, I think Tung's been been excellent as well. He really has. I think he's a wicket taker. Um, it looked like he's in control of what he was doing all the time. His temperament looked good. Um, so, yeah, some good finds. A couple of good finds there, definitely. Yeah, that Botox jab or two has done wonders for Josh <laughs> Tung. Uh, Vic, where actually, well, the question really isn't where do England go next? Because we know where they go next. It's They go to Headingley. The question is, who do they take up there? The talk is that Moeen Ali, and you would expect them to be positive about his finger healing in the press, but the talk is that his finger should be fine. Do you make changes to that side? Well, it depends what the surface is like. I mean, it can be a test level. It can be very flat at um, Headingley, and it can sometimes turn. I mean, the one, I think the biggest question, well, there'll be Pope. Is Pope fit for a start? That'll you know, that'll be an issue. I think Jimmy is going to be an issue. You've got three wickets in the series. We've now got the flavour of playing, you know, bounce ball. Um, <laughs> it, it looks really <laughs> flat. I'm not sure that, well, I'm sure Jimmy will want to play, but if it it can be very flat up there. If it looks very flat again, devoid of much grass, I think um, they could easily leave Jimmy out. Um there's Mark Wood, if he's fit. I mean, they, they would have liked him charging in in the second innings, no doubt. So I don't actually see Jimmy playing in the next one. Um, whether And, you know, maybe he would come back later. I don't know. But I, that would be my guess. Um, what they do if Pope is injured, I don't know. I mean, they, I can't, don't think you can actually, you've got 15 overs out of Stokes in this match, but... You know, I'm no medic, but it looks to me like he he's going to struggle to bowl many overs himself as well. So there's a sort of balancing act there. Um, but you've got to see what the conditions are like. I mean, I England wanted to play on flat pitches. They say they wanted to play on quicker ones than this. But the flat pitches are, are you know, taking their toll, actually. Taking their toll of Jimmy. Um, all the pacemen will be desperate for a break, uh, but it's you know, Broad has done well, Robinson keeps going. It could be Broad, Robinson, Wood, Tongue, or maybe you've got to reduce that to three if you want to play a specialist spinner. I don't know. I mean, I'm I don't know about Mo's finger either. I mean, it, it does open up easily, but definite questions, Nico. Same thing to you, really, because it might be that they have to go further afield from that squad with Mark Wood not necessarily fit. There's people like. Matty Potts, uh, maybe even Craig Overton. But if I, one other thing I want to throw in there is, given the temperament we saw Ben Stokes back with for his first 50, if Pope isn't fit and Stokes isn't fit to bowl and there's a balance of the side act, could he move up to three or is that two left field even for him and McCullum? I think it probably is just, yeah. I'd agree. I think it'd be a good time to give Jimmy a rest. Um, I think either Wood or Potty. Um, I'd probably go pot on me, um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they go. But the, it has been, the pitches have been very flat up there this year. They need a lot more grass on. Well, we will find out. It's such a quick turnaround in this series. England 2-0 down. It's not gone, but it is a lot further away than it was at lunchtime when England fans were all dreaming of something quite special. Nico, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. My pleasure. Thank you. And congratulations on successfully completing your garden centre round as well. 
Very kind. Hopefully it's the last, last time for a long time. Oh, well, make sure you don't time it for day five of an ashes test next time, <laughs> Nico. And Vic, thank you very much as ever for joining us. Are you going to Taunton now then? Or I you... am off. To... <laughs> I'm off to Taunton now, but yeah, I am. Where are you? I'm worried that you're going to break break some speeding doodads. <laughs> no, no, I'm in Taunton safely okay. in Taunton. Wonderful okay. for the listeners to hear my uh, personal arrangements, Vic. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for everyone for joining Cheers, us too. Yeah. We will be back after the next Ashes test. We got some beautiful chats. We got some beautiful stats. And we won't stop talking. We won't give it a rest. And as a matter of fact, it's time to get it off our chests. Cricket, 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 cricket.